Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Matt. Hi David, how you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, I've had a good couple of, a couple of weeks since, since my birthday, so... Good. Yeah, been pretty good. Excellent. Uh, what have you been up to? What day was it? I think it was last week on Tuesday, at uh, some point last week, the Guardians of the Galaxy game came out. Oh the yes! First episode. Yeah. Yeah, did you play that? I haven't. No, I haven't played it yet. I I might wait until it's all released and then and then do it. Otherwise, I end up forgetting about them because I've still got to oh. go back and finish the Batman game as well. And oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I've, I I think with the Telltale games, I'm going to start waiting until they're all released and then just buy them. Okay. Do it that I, way. So yeah, I played the first episode. Of that. It was not as I don't know. Maybe I just had played. Sometimes you you can have too much of a good thing and. Um, I played the Walking Dead episode three, I think, that came out the other day, and so it was a little, almost like a bit too much Telltale. Right. Um, yeah. And sometimes the episodes can be like a tiny bit slow, and with this being the first, uh, the very, very first episode of the the Guardians of the Galaxy game, it was yeah maybe just a, a little bit slow, but it was still pretty. You still it was still pretty like funny and quite fun because that's like yeah sort of where the characters are because they're yeah. like sort of the the funny ensemble uh whereas like the avengers are the more sort of serious marvel ones yeah um so i played the first episode of that that was pretty good and uh, the film's out next week and that's out on yes. thursday yes so, there yeah, are, are reviews kicking around for it as well at the moment, yeah so. i've seen that there are reviews kicking around but i haven't seen what they are so yes far. i know i'm avoiding reviews as well i'm just gonna okay. go and see it I, I would like to know sort of just the, the consensus like how how good was it sort of thing so yeah. um maybe i'll look that up after this but yeah, i'm gonna hopefully go and see that next next friday so um looking forward to that i started a series last night on netflix it's called girl boss have you heard of it it's yes pretty, pretty i have new. i haven't so. looked at it only came out um this week slightly earlier this week i think or last end mm. of last week so yeah, I haven't looked at it yet. What's it like? It's about, uh, I can't remember which city it's set in, so someplace in America. Um, but there's this girl, she's living in this apartment, and um, she kind of realizes she has this eye for fashion kind of thing. Yeah. And the part of it that I'm interested in is because she sort of starts her own eBay business. Right, yeah. And I'm just interested to kind of see where that takes that character. She's sort of used to working for other people, and she like... Um, has this job at a shoe shop kind of thing and gets fed up with that 
and basically ends up with uh, sort of just her apartment. Yeah. So she sort of needs some money as quick as possible kind of thing. She starts off with buying this really nice jacket from this guy and she kind of bargains with the guy and uh, she gets it for pretty cheap and then she says it's this like vintage whatever sort of thing. Yeah. And then she sells it for like $600 and she buys it for like $8. Right. So yeah, she makes quite a massive profit on it and then she kind of, she has this like moment in her head where she realizes like she could maybe do this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not interested in it from like a fashion standpoint, obviously. It's more <laughs> like what the character does with her business and it's already starting to affect other characters that are in the show and like how she deals with like her love life with the business and how the business affects right. everything else. So, um, and there's a nice little sort of flashback episode with it um, okay. and it explains like why you should care about a particular relationship um, and that worked very, very well as well. Um, so I'm, I'm interested more from like a character and like a plot yeah. um, standpoint. Not from a fashion point fashion standpoint so yeah um yeah it's only like 13 episodes in a half an hour each um and oh, i've watched okay. the first six so yeah. Uh, yeah i've watched quite a bit of it so yeah. um yeah that's been very good and i'm looking forward to seeing where that goes so cool. um i'll have to go and watch that prison break came back yes a couple of weeks ago i just realized i actually forgot to watch it last week so i <laughs> should watch that today before the next one so what, what did you think of the first couple of episodes or the first sort of few now, I saw them a while ago, but yeah, because I've seen the first three episodes already, but that I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I mean, I, I know some people have, have been a, a little bit snooty about it, but I I mean, it's prison break. It's it's what it always was, I think. You know, it's a bit silly in places, but it's good fun. We still haven't entirely revealed how Michael returned. Yeah, mm. but yeah, I, I, I think it's... Um, it's good fun. It's nice to see the roles reversed. So you've got Michael locked up this time and you've got Lincoln trying to get him out. I mean, that first episode, Michael's not really in it very much. You know, it's it's Lincoln. No. It's, it's pretty much all Lincoln. So, I mean, it, and it's also nice to see them back in those roles and out of their DC roles as well, because we kind of got used to seeing them in DC with the over hammy acting that they do in that show. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a it's a nice fun entertaining show yeah it's, it's it's been pretty good i just kind of think like of all the series that could come back things like firefly which we'll talk about in a minute yeah um or which i'll, I'll talk about in a minute uh it's one of the ones that didn't necessarily need to come back it's cool that it has <laughs> and it's interesting but at the same time it wrapped up a good few years ago yeah um, and it did and wrap up i mean you know it wrapped up by killing one of the two characters apparently or or not <laughs> as the, the case may be but you know yeah. it, it pretty it was pretty final at the time so you know it i, I know what you mean there are other shows that you could bring back that do that kind of left things hanging, whereas that really didn't. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see where it goes. It's only got nine episodes, doesn't it? So Something like uh, that. It's not that long. It was yeah, so one of the event be, series. Yeah, be like another thing that we'll talk about. Um, talk about Star Wars as well. The what was the what's the game that you and Mike were talking about last week? The Knights of the Republic. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's the Old Republic. It's Oh, okay. Knights, Knights of the Old Republic was the original Bioware games that they, they made. And I mean, the Old Republic is made by Bio, Bioware as well, but it's their big MMO game that's been around for a number of years. I don't think it's on console. It's only on PC as far as I'm aware. I did aware. find out it's on the original Xbox, which works on the 360, and I still have my 360, so I might try it that oh, way. Right, okay. Yeah, that's probably the, yeah. Knights, the Knights of the Old Republic game 
not not mm. the old republic which is the mmo i'm still playing through it at the moment it's a huge amount of story to get through because you've basically got 10 different character classes and they've all got their own stories you've got a load of extra missions which is what we were talking about last week you can either just play through the character stories or there's a load of extra things that you can do on all the different planets that you go to there's like you know 20 odd planets and you start at level zero and they're up to something like level 80 or something now so so there's quite a lot to get through but as mike was saying last week once you get out of those uh, original class stories the newer content is good but it's the same story for every character you put through it so there's less replayability the further you get into the game I've only got one character class all the way through his class story, so I'm I'm starting with, uh, or I've, I, I'm about halfway through with the Imperial Sniper class right now. Okay. So, um, which is the Imperial Agent, one of the Imperial Agent classes. So um, I'm going through that at the moment, which is proving really good fun. It's a really fun fun story to play through. So I'm, once I finish that, I may go back and do like a bounty hunter or a Sith or one of the other Jedi classes, something like that. Okay, so, sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot to get through. Nice. Um, so I might buy that and have a look into that as well. Yeah. Um, a, I watched um, a series that you and Sophie have been talking about quite a bit. A little a little show on Fox that some people might have been annoyed when it got cancelled. <laughs> this might have been. Yeah. Uh, Firefly. I watched the first, I think it's four, five, or six. I think right, it's at least okay. five episodes I've seen. So um, I'm sort of working my way through those. Yes. They're, they're just they're good fun. Yeah. Um, the episodes are very kind of funny. I think the last one I watched was when uh, Nathan Fillion's character was in a sword duel. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a little bit like if you take Star Wars, but take all the sort of Jedi and Sith sort of stuff out of it. Yeah. So it's I- still on like, if you look at the um, Serenity is like the Millennium Falcon. That sort yeah. of situation. They're like traveling around doing different things. Well, I mean, Joss always said that the the idea behind it was it being something like like Star Wars or I can't remember whether it was Star Wars or Star Trek, but I think it was I think it was Star Wars and saying it's the, the Serenity's the kind of ship that the Empire would just fly back past and ignore, you know, because um, they're sort of flying under the radar. They're they're not really you know they're they're just trying to make a day to day living, you know. That was sort of the setup for it. it. So you do have this big empire-like presence there, mm. but but they're not. They're they're all kind of background, really. Yeah, more than anything yeah. else. Yeah, it definitely focuses a lot more like on the ship and like what's going on with the different characters and stuff. Yeah, so, uh, and what's going on with uh, Summer Glau's character? That's, yes, um, a little bit sort of. I like a sort of mysterious story like that, and it doesn't it doesn't sort of bug you and like bash you over the head as to say like there's something wrong with this character, but we won't quite tell you what it is yet. It sort of comes up now and again, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's quite nicely balanced. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's been pretty good as well. I watched a trailer for Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5. I think it's like the remixed, remade versions for PlayStation 4. Right, okay. PlayStation 3 or 2 games. Yeah. I think they were PlayStation 2. I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, not sure why I haven't seen more kind of about this game. It looks pretty good. Basically got like, you're playing as a couple of, I'm not sure if they're all Final Fantasy characters. No, they're... they're in- Final Fantasy sort of styled characters. For- and then you meet up with a bunch of different Disney characters. Yeah, um, yeah. And you have like Donald and Goofy with you as well. 
um, mm. and you use this sort of key as like a, a sword. I mean, like I said, I've only watched the trailer. Have uh, Have you played any of them? I a long time ago, yes, I played the original Kingdom Hearts. I think, yeah, I remember them being quite fun games, and it's it was one of those things that mixed all the Disney universes together. So, you know, mm. I I quite like that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see an updated version that throws all the kind of Marvel and Star Wars stuff in there as Ooh, well. Yeah, yeah. throws all the licenses, isn't there? So. Yeah, yeah, which is sort of what they they did with the um disney infinity yeah disney infinity yeah. so yeah you know it sort of was a bit that but had them you know more linear and and had a sort of definitive plot rather than you kind of making up your own stuff i guess yeah but, or playing um, like set piece things yeah so, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. um so yeah, no, but I remember it being quite good fun. I really enjoyed it. So I'd be interested to see an up version, updated version of that. Yeah, there was the remix version on the on the, on the PS4, which uh, I saw some gameplay of, and it looks pretty nice and clean. Cool. Um, so I'm hoping to hoping to get that soon. And then there's like a chapter three, which is like the final part. Um, right. which has like a, a prologue to it or something I, I'm trying to work out the exact order to play all of it because right. there's other little bits and pieces like in between the stories Yeah, and somebody did tell me online so I'll just go back and read the read the comment again yeah. but yeah I'm looking forward to playing those because you don't see like Hercules or Lilo and Stitch or that lot no they're no, not in games so, very much um, no. so um, I'm looking forward to doing that yeah Homeland finished was it last week yes before? yeah what did you uh, think of the last episode uh i i really enjoyed the the overall season i i thought i really uh, you know I, I found really good i think it rounded it off nicely it's been interesting this season because you know you've you've not got carrie back at the fbi or cia sorry you've yeah you, you know so she's sort of still kind of the outsider and you've got this new president you had this new president who it's interesting because homeland always generally seems to kind of mirror what's going on in america and obviously when they started making this they assumed hillary would be president uh, <laughs> so you know it, yeah. th- that's kind of interesting a sort of alternative reality version of it you know but uh yeah i i mean i i thought it was really intriguing because you almost are painting the cia as the bad guys in this or sections of the cia as the bad guys in this i mean there's a couple of scenes where they just sort of they do sort of ignore what carrie's like saying because there's a part in i think it's one of the middle episodes of, the, of this season when like she warns them about what quinn is like and what he's sort of been through yeah. and the agent that she's talking to just sort of brushes it off and then they like storm the house or whatever yes i'm like yeah you should have listened <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. nobody listens to carrie <laughs> no it's like in um i think it's back in season one that there was something that she was telling soul about Brody, and then yeah. the evidence came around the end and he was like yeah you were right and she has like this this kind of happy because she has she has some breakdowns in the show you could say that yes so that 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 particular scene was more of a happy breakdown um yeah, the show's evolved quite a bit, so yeah, uh, yeah, into different things. Yeah, this is your podcast, so I don't know if you wanted to mention specifics about what happened, but um, uh, did, did you? Yeah, go on. I mean, we we can spoilers, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You've not seen it yet. Um, so what did you think of that person's death? I, I think it was inevitable that that particular person was going to die by the end of it because they got to a point with his character where I didn't, I don't see where else you could have taken it because he wasn't going to get any better. So... Not even his arm was getting better. <laughs> no, no, his yeah. arm wasn't getting yeah. better. He he generally wasn't getting better. So I, I don't see where 
Uh, else you could have what else you could have done with him I, I mean for him to go out in a sort of heroic blaze of glory I think was probably the the best way to uh, to end that it, character's it, run it was a good idea but at the same time he could have just ducked yeah, well like, yes yes like he's he's sort of staring at the people shooting at him and like driving forward and I'm like just duck <laughs> I've seen people do it before and the, the pedals are at the bottom of the car <laughs> so it's not like you have to sit up for anything in particular but um no no yeah. i know but yeah yeah but at least it, it it was more of a heroic yeah death than what could have happened it could have yeah. just been like a, a sort of shot in the head shock moment but um yeah it worked on some levels but at the same time you should have just ducked but, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yeah Broadchurch also finished as well. Oh yeah, uh, now Broadchurch I've never seen a single episode of, but really? I know it's a hugely popular. Yeah, it's one that I need to go back. The problem is I, I sort of should go back and watch it, but then I kind of know who did it, certainly for the first one, because oh, okay. I've seen all the spoilers for it. So I, I'm kind of, well, it's, it's going to lose a lot of the tension if it, I already it know that. It like a bit more of a grind than you yeah. sort of sitting through that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I've sort of, once I had the first season spoiled for me i was like well i can't really be bothered to go and watch it now yeah so mm. um but how, how did it did it wind up okay because this was very nicely Good. yeah there was not really much else really going on like in the last sort of couple of minutes but then that was because they finished all the storylines so yeah and then we of course got this sort of nice um shot at the end as the credits were rolling of like the broad church cliff hill sort of thing which is like the classic sort of right yeah yeah broad church sort of shot so um yeah it was it ended quite nicely. Uh, there was a little bit of a plot hole, I thought, in the final episode as to like the overall story, but I could kind of look look past it a bit. So um, yeah, yeah. And the last thing I have is I started The Witcher Three Blood and Wine DLC. Right. Yeah. And it's quite exciting. The first mission you do because the the game tells you to look at like the notice board, and then there's a particular thing on the notice board that says to Geralt. Um, like we're looking for Geralt of Rivia to, to help us with this task because yeah. at, at this point he's like known for like helping with yeah. you know, different things basically. Um, so yeah, you go and speak to these people and then uh, you fight this kind of massive troll thing. Yes. And it, he sort of has this like hammer, but it's sort of like circular yeah. rather than like a square hammer. And he like really sort of swings it around. So that was quite a sort of fun, fast paced way to start that. So yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Have you yeah. played that? Yeah. The, uh, the DLC for, for the which I think I've still got a few bits and pieces of it to finish off. But um, yeah, um, the DLC for The Witcher uh, 3 is phenomenal. I mean, the old game's phenomenal, but... Oh, yeah. The, the just, I mean, they, they had an entire extra land, <laughs> you know, for one of the DLCs. So there's there's a huge amount of extra stuff in that in that game. And, you, I mean, I don't know what my average is up on that, but it's got to be into the hundreds, <laughs> I would have yeah. thought. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just amazing fun. Really, really good. They, they totally nailed it for that game. It, mm. it is a great example of a uh, of, of how to do that sort of RPG and, and but as we were saying with Mike last week the thing with The Witcher 3 is they screwed it up so badly on the first one and had to fix it that I think they've been so careful on making sure that things are fairly well polished going forward and you know I, I, I'm i looking forward to them doing a Witcher 4 because I thought the third one was excellently done really really 
good. Yeah, I mean, there's a few like frustrating enemies and things, but yeah, for like for like most of the part, it's a pretty awesome game. So yeah, yeah, um, and it's got some very strong characters in it as well, which yeah. you need to make a good story. So yeah, uh, yeah that's what I've been doing. Um, so not few things this week. Uh, Doctor Who, obviously, back for its second episode this week, uh, which was mm-hmm. I think called Smile. I think it was called. Have you been watching Doctor Who this season? I haven't watched it since um, a couple of episodes into Matt Smith's. Okay, you should. You should. David Tennant. Yeah. Now you should go back, and uh, it's a good point to jump in actually to to watch Peter Capaldi's final season because it's really strong this year. I think it's it's doing really well. The second episode particularly, I thought, was really nicely put together. Classic kind of Doctor Who setup of ends up on a alien planet which is being colonised by Earth, but when they turn up, there's nobody there apart from these these cute local little kind of robots that communicate using emojis on their face. Oh my! <laughs> um, and. and uh, so it, it's it's sort of you know them discovering why the people aren't there and what's happened to the people. I thought it, it was just really nicely put together. Uh, some great tension in it, and you know just just really good, well written Doctor Who episodes. And uh, the and Bill as well, who is the new companion, I think is really good. She's not annoying. She's not you know falling in love with the Doctor or anything, any of that sort of stuff. She's just a really good bubbly companion. So okay. I, I'm really liking this pair up. I think it's really strong and well worth going to watch if you've been avoiding Doctor Who because Peter Capaldi's early season wasn't all that strong and some of the Matt Smith stuff could was a bit up and down. Sort of Matt Smith's first season got a bit confusing in places as well. But I think this season's been really strong so far. So I would jump back onto it at this point. It's not like because the, the other thing is they've got this overarching story where the doctor is basically supposed to be guarding this vault on Earth and has been on Earth for the past 70 years. But They've not revealed like what's in the vault, why he's supposed to be guarding it, who he made the promise to to guard the vault. All we know is there is something that he's supposed to be protecting. But obviously, being the Doctor is kind of decided now he's got a new companion he's off flying around the galaxy which he's not being supposed to do because he's supposed to be back on Earth guarding the vault. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting and very well put together. And you've got this nice kind of decent overarching story as well as the sort of day-to-day episodes as well. So, uh, yeah, I strongly recommend going back and watching that. It's been really good so far. Okay. Another thing that came up uh, this week as well was a new show called Bill Nye Saves the World. Bill Nye, uh, to most people, I don't know whether you know who Bill Nye is. You You may only know him from various references and appearances on the Big Bang Theory because that's probably what he's best known for over here. He was known as Bill okay. Nye... That's sort of him or something, I might, I might yeah. recognise him. So. Uh, he's, he was known as Bill Nye the Science Guy because he had a, a kids science show in America. This is a Netflix show. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he wears, yeah, he, a, he wears a bow tie. He Sheldon and did something for his yeah. birthday or something like that. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, wears yeah. a bow tie most of the time. So Bill Nye Saves the World. It's not aimed particularly at kids. It's more a, a family science show. So he does a few scientific experiments, but each show is based around one particular topic. So the first one was on um, climate change. 
uh to remember what they did the second one on but he's got one on sort of new technologies and robots and then one on space travel and so the, there are various shows they're only half an hour long he has a few celebrities come in and experts in the various sort of fields where he does conversations with them and it's it's almost done as a way of trying to educate people that are you know people that deny climate change and that sort of stuff um it, but it's it's nice and easy it's the the science isn't like complicated it's it's done at a, a level that could be understood by kids and adults so it's a really nice little family show that you could go and watch good for sort of i would say you sort of 10 11 year olds that kind of age i would have said okay but yeah i mean i i really enjoyed it he's really he's very watchable the second show they did was on alternative medicines and how they're they're basically alternative to actually getting proper medical help, uh, you know. So why homeopathy doesn't work and, and that sort of stuff. So it really interesting, well put together, as you'd expect from Netflix. You know, very well put together show. So definitely, yeah. So one worth going to watch if you've got kids and want to give them some sort of educational programming to watch that's also quite fun. Uh, I I would point them in the direction of that. I just play Lego Batman with money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, few uh trailers that came up this week as well marvel's cloak and dagger i thought it was pretty good actually yeah, yeah. It, it's quite an interesting trailer because you you don't get any idea that it's a sort of marvel show until until about 20 seconds before the end of the trailer it, yeah it's very much about sort of teen angst and about uh, cloak and dagger are two marvel characters who are teens young adults in the comic books, I think they're actually homeless, but it looks like they've ch- slightly changed the background f- for this. They're basically two people who, it appears in the TV version, met as young children and one of them saved the other. And then they bump into each other again as teenagers and realise that they have some sort of mysterious power. Dagger's power is that she can create lightning daggers, essentially, and Cloak's power is the ability to shroud himself. So I thought this looked quite interesting i mean it's very different to all the other marvel stuff that's out there so far it's their first foray into a into a kind of teen drama so um yeah i, th- I think this could look interesting i'm I, looking forward to it quite a bit it's y- uh next year and yeah it comes up next yeah. year it's either later this year or next year but it, it it's uh not got a uk channel yet because it's not aired in america yet so who do um, you think might uh, get it it strikes me as something that would i mean it'd sit very well on e4 obviously that would be quite mm. an obvious place for it but somewhere like dave would be good to pick it up one of those one of the uk tv channels i think would be quite good it needs a sort of teen audience so i mean e4 would be the obvious place for it or you know well they don't really buy stuff in but somewhere like bbc3 would be quite good but you know they tend not to buy that sort of stuff in Mm, i I mean you could pair it with agents of shield if if you could yeah yeah um yeah i mean it's a january thing usually now over here and I don't know if it's. I don't know if it would line up with schedule wise, but yeah, um, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, E4 would be the obvious place for it. I'd be interested to see whether they decide to go for it. The other trailer that came up was uh, Krypton, which leaked online. I don't think it was. It, they've, they've been saying it's not an official trailer, or like, although it looks looks pretty official to me. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was a leaked trailer actually. So yeah, that's how real it looked to me. Yeah, so I yeah. I, I think I mean it is obviously it's got footage from the show and stuff in yeah. it yeah i thought it looked interesting um not quite as interested as uh cloak and dagger but um yeah it still might be 
pretty interesting, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's telling the story of Krypton to the two generations before Superman and before it blew up. So mm. they've got a lot more free reign to play around with it. It's it's much darker than I thought it would be. It's very much a sort of, I think I said when I wrote the description of it, it feels far more kind of Battlestar Galactica than Smallville to me. Yeah. It, it is actually the Smallville people that are behind it. So, you know. Um, okay, so you got the Superman yeah, so, so, I guess. Yeah, so. so they have they have the experience of it. But uh, yeah, it, it feels much more in the tone of something like Battlestar Galactica to me. You yeah. know, much more darker, kind of slightly more adult thing, which which is kind of interesting. So be interested to see what happens with that. Again, that's that's a potential kind of E4 one, I would have thought. Or Dave, or even Sky, I mean, may go for it. But I, it, it doesn't directly link to the other DC shows. So they may want to avoid confusing things by adding that on. Um, mm. Particularly as they're probably going to have to buy Black Lightning if uh, Black Lightning gets fully greenlit. So yes, yeah. Which um, I heard that's next end of next year it's instead of the end of this year for uh, um, Black Lightning. Okay, I didn't realise it was that far back, but yes, you might be right. So yeah, I mean that that's been most of the the stuff I've been doing this week. The only other thing that that we we've, we've been talking a bit about on on chat and stuff throughout the week was the writer strike, which I, I know other people are actually aware, but there is a potential writer strike going on in or about to start in America again. Um, for those of you of a certain age, might remember the the uh, last one, which was ten years ago, which completely messed up a lot of TV shows and yeah. scheduling and. Caused, yeah, mm-hmm. caused havoc. Uh, yeah, you know, so, some shows that weren't doing particularly well, which may have got renewals, got cancelled. You know, and they abandoned things, and you ended up with shows with half half episodes, things you know, or half seasons. You ended up with things getting bumped out of the way. So it, it was chaos for about three months. It lasted three months last time. The writers are basically striking because of the fact that the number of TV shows have increased in America, which you think okay, well. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which yeah. you think, oh, well, that's a good thing because yeah. they're getting more work. The problem is that the earnings have decreased by oh, about right. 23%. So whilst they've got more episodes, they're getting kind of shorter runs and writers are paid per episode. So as one guy was saying, you know, I could write 22, op- 22 episodes and it could take me a year. Uh, I now have a show on Amazon where I'm writing eight episodes and that's taking me nearly a year, but I'm only getting paid for an eight episode fee. So, you know, the the time that they're given to write the show is longer, but they're still only getting paid per episode. Mm. Whereas they might have been writing, for example, an episode a week. They're now writing an episode every three weeks. And a lot of the time, the problem is that they're tied into contracts that won't allow them to write on other shows at the same time. So although there is more TV out there, they're shorter runs and they're tied into a contract which won't allow them to write on other things to cover up the difference, Okay, which means that they're forced to earn less money. So that's basically part of the main problem. So they're trying to sort out, basically they want a loosening of the exclusivity rules so they can write on multiple shows at once. They'd like an increase in the uh, fees that they get for scripts for cable and streaming platforms because they're the big 
biggest problem because they're the thing they're the places that tend to run 10 episode things and there are also issues with the health insurance and that sort of stuff which they want okay. sorted out yeah that that's the reason for the strike happening they're currently in negotiations which they are taking a vote i think it's either today or tomorrow to vote whether the union agrees that they can strike which I think is most likely they will say yes. Then if they're going to strike, it will be on the 2nd of May, I think is the first day of the strike. So we should know by the 1st or 2nd of May whether it's actually going to happen. Because okay. it, it's very difficult to tell whether they're going to come to an agreement right now. Okay. Do you think they will? What's kind of uh, I, it's it's impossible to tell right now because it, mm. it, I mean the the last strike uh, went from 2007 to 2008 took a hundred days to resolve the biggest immediate issue is actually it doesn't affect us so much it's more the US because it's their late night chat shows because obviously mm. when you're doing a daily chat show all the jokes and stuff are scripted so that's a big problem for them because it means that they can't go out and do monologues they can have guests come out but it causes huge problems for those sorts of shows because a lot of that stuff is scripted daily sitcoms daily dramas so soaps and stuff they have a huge problem mm. and things with long 22 episode runs have a big problem because most of the time they're writing and filming at the same time and what we've been talking about as well is something like walking dead as an example um, yeah. we know they have some episodes written but they won't have all the episodes written so it may be a case of if the strike yeah. happens we only get half a season we don't get a full season yeah that's assuming um, they've written half a season's worth of episodes already i think it's interesting kind of specifically with the walking dead because like the differences of walking dead and game of thrones is game of thrones has gone past its books whereas walking dead hasn't even like, caught up to the books it's actually it's yeah. still a couple of seasons away at best to get to the comics can't point maybe two three seasons depends on like the show's pacing i'm assuming robert kirkman has some sort of plan as to like when when big bigger kind of checkpoint things happen in the show like when negan shows up and when they go to alexandria and when they met uh, the other the other like places this season and last season yeah um i'm assuming robert kirkman's kind of planning ahead a bit with those i know it's it's still this, this yeah case the, of like having the writers but yeah. in terms of like the story's plan i'm gonna kind of assume that him and probably scott gimple have yeah. some kind of they, idea I mean, as to when when they want to hit those certain points so. yeah i mean the, things will be laid out the problem is that i mean that you get two issues the the one issue is the fact that the scripts just aren't finished yet and regardless of whether mm. they've got a story to work from um, in you know, in terms of like you say with The Walking Dead, they have got books that they can work from. They still have to write a script based on that. So although it might make life a little bit easier for them, if the script's not there, they can't shoot it. Um, mm. On top of that, would it be a possibility that like the mid-season finale could be the season finale? Yes, and it could be like awkwardly written. Kind of like, yeah that's sort of like what happened with heroes because i did um at the time when i watched because it was the second season of heroes it was affected and there was um it was when peter in in the show he was played by uh milo 
Yeah. Um, there was like this serum that the characters were after, and it was a case of whether or not he picks the serum up or not, and like that would like dramatically kind of change the story. Um, so it's kind of those issues that you sort of run into as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a number of shows that reflected last time around. Uh, Supernatural got shortened run. I think it only did 16 episodes that season. I remember Bones very rushedly finished that season as well, which wrote out Zach, one of the characters. I seem to remember that was that season. So there, there was a few issues that you know that that popped up. It, it affected. It even affected things like Breaking Bad as well. So mm. I mean, you know, AMC were affected last yeah. time. It's it's very mm. difficult to tell exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's just going to be a case of wait and see. I kind of, ho- I well, I do hope they come to a deal because it's such a pain when when it happened last time, and you know, it, but it is their right. It is their right to do it, and it, it caused huge problems for the industry mm. as well last time. So yeah, because not only does it sort of cut seasons in half, it also changes like stories and maybe makes the show worse, and well, then yeah. ultimately gets things cancelled. Yeah, stuff. So, exactly. Yeah, and there were a few shows. Well. There were a few shows. I remember the one of the casualties being the remake of Bionic Woman, which wasn't doing brilliantly in the ratings, but they kind of said had they managed to get a full season out of it, then. It, they may have managed to pick up and carry on, but because the writer's strike happened, it kind of got chopped after about eight episodes and they decided not to bother with it again. So, you know, it, uh, th- there are issues that come up. Certainly if you're a freshman show, you're going to have problems. It also, I mean, we won't see any immediate effect here because obviously things that are shooting now that have all their scripts written will still come on over the summer and stuff where you're going to see a real problem is in the autumn and early mm. ne- into early next year. Yeah, because like when they when certain things shoot in the summer and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. It, means, it means that everything will shut down for probably, well, if it goes on the same as last time, it could shut everything down for three months. But, but you know, it's not only the writers that it affects, it affects everybody working in the film industry because it affects all the actors, it affects movie production, although they have there is a story come out now that said the, the MCU, the Marvel Universe, isn't going to be affected by it. Um, but it can affect film production, it can affect TV production. Obviously, it puts people out of work, so all the actors are out of work, All the you know, the you particularly if they're tied to certain mm, shows. So go to work because their scripts haven't been written so. yeah exactly yeah. uh you know your your cameramen your directors you know all these people are out of work that i mean you know but it also did produce a few little interesting things certain things like dr horrible like little uh side project that joss did was done as a direct result of the writer's strike you know there there are little things that sometimes come out of it because people kind of aren't writing for big production companies so they they go and do their own little thing and you may see some of that but yeah it's going to be tough if they uh if they decide to go on strike and if it carries on mm-hmm. so we'll yeah. we'll she'll know hopefully by next week we should have a better idea about whether it's going to happen or not it's interesting with walking dead and game of thrones because those two uh, back in 2007 those two weren't even on tv so your two i would say probably the two biggest shows those two like weren't affected yeah. at all because you know they weren't even around so yeah um yeah this and, season of game of thrones should be fine it, it you said it might be like the next season that might be yeah yeah i mean obviously the season that's coming up in july is in the can already so that's you know they're they're doing Mm. post-production work so that's all fine it's the next season if they i mean they will probably be shooting that in winter anyway so we might be okay because it's coming 
<laughs> yes, because winter is coming. That that's the whole reason everything is delayed this year for Game of Thrones is because they needed colder weather to shoot in. So you may find that the next season of Game of Thrones gets bumped if this drags on, if it happens and it drags on. Uh, hopefully that won't be the case because it, it chances are it's shooting late enough. I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, it does make life very very difficult. Yeah, we shall see what happens. Sorry. So uh, on that note, let's let's move on and uh, do some film and TV news. First bit of film and TV news this week. We have one renewal, but it's a fairly big one. X Files. Mm-hmm. X Files is back for a, an eleven season, and uh, it's up from six episodes, which is the tenth season, up to ten episodes for the for this new season. Uh, happy to see this back. Uh, I've never seen it, so um, yeah. <laughs> did you not watch the six episodes when they were on? No, no, I was just. So it sort of just went right into the, to the background of my mind. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't hear particularly great things about it either. Well, it, the thing is, when it came back and did those six episodes, some of them were great, some of them were utterly ridiculous. I mean, really, really ridiculous. But <laughs> that that's, that's sort of what the original series was like it it veered widely from being some very brilliant brilliant dark episodes to being some of the stupidest tv you could watch (laughs) um and and, yeah and you sort of love it for that but it's it's done the same thing it did the same thing when it came back um for its 10th season so we'll be interested to see what they do for season 11 yeah i mean i i loved the original series i know you've not gone back and watched it and as as we've we've talked about before it's it's very up and down and there is a hell of a lot of original x-files yeah, to go through there's what nine seasons and then there's like two two films or something yeah nine seasons and two films and the films aren't particularly great either so i'm happy they brought it back i'm glad they've managed to sort it out mm. Gillian anderson is incredibly busy at the moment because she's also on american gods as uh, playing the god media on American Gods. There's that, and there's also various films she's doing and guest spots on other things. So, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. So she's fairly busy. I'm not sure what else David Duchovny's up to, but... Uh, so I, I'm glad I, they've I managed no to pull actually. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw him on something. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they've managed to pull them back together. I think that could be quite good fun. Talking of things coming back, this, I'm guessing you have no idea what the, the significance of the original show. I don't. I saw your tweet and you're like... With capitals and they're making <laughs> monkey. I was like, what? What is this? Yeah. So um, Netflix are remaking Monkey now. Anybody under the age of forty probably has no idea what that means. That'd um, be me. Monkey. Yeah. Monkey was a Japanese TV show which was in the late seventies, early eighties, and it was just, it was called Monkey, or it was also known as Monkey Magic because the theme tune was uh, had the words monkey magic in it so a lot of people knew it as that it's actually i mean netflix we've called it a a remake but really it isn't it is a retelling of uh journey to the west which is a a classic chinese 16th century novel which has been used over and over again in chinese theater uh, you know cinema uh, and film and tv sort of pretty much you know repeatedly for the last like 20 years or so there have been various big screen chinese language versions and stuff so this is the first kind of attempt at a at a fully westernized version because the original monkey series wasn't in english it was dubbed and in some respects i think that's why it's so beloved in the uk is because 
you know, people that remember it, remember it as, as part of their childhood. And it was this weird little show, which was dubbed over in English, you know, quite, quite badly. I mean, yeah, the, the acting was fine, but it, it was, it was this sort of dubbed over in English. And it was obviously, it was done in the early eighties on a fairly shoestring budget. So the story is about a young girl who teams up with three gods that are called Monkey, Pigsy, and Sandy. And there is a young girl called Trippy Tacker, I think her name is. Uh, <laughs> I just, yeah. just tripped up on that. Yeah. Trippy Tacker, I think uh, the uh, the girl's name is. She teams up with these three gods and they're trying to end a demonic reign of chaos, which has sort of taken over the world and restore balance. So that's the basic premise of it. It's a sort of standard Chinese fable. Monkey is is the sort of lead hero god out of all of them and then you know pixie and sandy are the other are the other two that uh they're sort of side characters to him and the, the there's the four of them together that that are um trying to save the world but yeah. uh it as i say it's it's one of these things that that's been around for a very very long time and it's beloved by a lot of people there was a few people kind of when I posted this, it got a ridiculous reaction, particularly on Facebook when I posted it. Some people going, Oh my god, this is genius, and other people going, Oh my god, how could they? This is awful. So <laughs> so it's it's very divided people. It is also kind of westernizing uh, you know, a classic kind of piece of Chinese fable, you know, literature. So there are very mixed reactions to it, but uh it begins filming its its 10 30 minute episodes. It's already started filming in Scotland in New Zealand because you know if you want somewhere that looks like a mystical beautiful land where else are you going to shoot uh, <laughs> um, it's going out on ABC in Australia who were the people that commissioned it and it's uh, TVNZ in uh, New Zealand and then Netflix have got the rights for it arrest around the rest of the world so it's a co-production between the three of them. The thing that people remember most from Monkey is the theme tune though so I, I, it would be nice if there was some reference to that at some point throughout it because you know that's the thing that people love about it okay but it's going to be one to watch out for definitely uh, how do you sort of feel about um subtitles in things it depends what it is yeah so a lot of people that i talk to really don't like subtitles I, I, and i'm like i can i can deal with it sort of thing. yeah i i can deal with it uh, you know uh, and i've watched a few things with subtitles it doesn't bother me you've got shows like narcos where you're jumping in and out of subtitles throughout and that doesn't bother me at all i mean they they do that in star wars for god's sake as well so you know mm. uh entire entire shows that are entirely subtitled i honestly don't watch that many subtitled things but mm. me too like the, i think the last one i remember is uh maybe the returned yeah Leroy, whatever it was called but, i mean yeah there are yeah. there are great foreign language shows out there oh yeah and there was the um locked up oh yeah yeah yeah. Channel 4, yeah which was pretty good yeah Going back to Star Wars, as we just mentioned then, there's an interesting development, which sounds incredible, coming to Disney World Orlando. So it's not directly film TV related, it's more kind of theme park related, but I, I, it sounded so awesome, I thought I'd put it in. It sounds like this is only going to be at Disney World Orlando, and they are, they are kind of gauging exactly whether they're going to do it or not at the moment. So this isn't entirely fully confirmed. 
But they've announced that, I mean, they've already announced that they're building Star Wars Land, which is is going to be a new part of the theme parks, and that's going to be in Disneyland California in Disney World in Orlando. So this is is going to be an area which is, it's, it's not modelled directly on any of the destinations in Star Wars we've already seen. It's going to be a new port, and it's described as being somewhere which is kind of off the mainstream path. It's where smugglers and bounty hunters and the rogue adventurers are looking to crew up people that won't want to be found. So, you know, it's basically all the interesting people. So it's it's kind of designed to be this kind of scummy little port that they're building but it will have the millennium falcon part there so they're going to build the star wars lands they'd already announced that what really is interesting is they're looking at the idea of building a starship themed hotel actually within that bit of the park so it's not going to be any ordinary hotel what they're actually doing is it's going to have two-day story-driven entertainment experiences they're calling them it's basically live action role play for two days which are based within the hotel and within this star wars land park you can you can go and pretend to be in the star wars universe for two days and you can go on flight training you can explore the ship you can go on lightsaber training you can get personalized secret missions off people around the park you can be on the starship and they've got like pictures of of how the interior of the starship is going to be so i'm assuming they're putting like you know space things around the outside rather than windows and stuff so you do actually feel like you're in space so it'll be there and on the actual planet itself this just sounded amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, this definitely sounds very cool. I mean, with the hotel and the live action story stuff. Yeah. I don't see why a Star Wars fan wouldn't go. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I did something that was, I mean, on a, on a very different scale to this, on a much more low budget scale. But if you remember a few years ago, Secret Cinema did a uh, version of Empire Strikes Back. And in that, they recreated the whole of Tatooine inside a warehouse in London, uh, or this yeah, big section, not the whole of Tatooine, obviously, but a big section of, uh, of, of Tatooine inside this warehouse where you could go wandering through and buy food. And there was a, there was the bar and, you know, the cantina bar. So you could go in there and order drinks and stuff and everybody stayed in character and you had r2d2 wandering around you had stormtroopers wandering around and and imperial officers uh and that was for one night and was so brilliant and such good fun the idea of that being done on a massive scale officially licensed by disney for two days where you can completely immerse yourself in it i think sounds incredible so um yeah, they're, they're talking about it costing $1,000 for two days, but that would include the stay in the hotel as well. So that's £500 a night, basically. Mm. Which, you know, given everything, and that's the passes into that bit of the park and the hotel, and or I... I, I don't think that seems so unreasonable. Like yeah, so that and that includes meals and everything. So, so that I don't think sounds unreasonable. You know, five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars a night. So, I'd be well up for that. I mean, obviously you've got to get over to Orlando to do it, but that that sounds incredible. So, uh, so yes, one to watch Definitely, out for. Yeah. See, if, yeah. see if that does actually happen. But that's that's one to watch out for. They they're talking about um, twenty nineteen before that. Opens, right, I'll start so. saving up today. Yeah, <laughs> so start saving now. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, last little news story strike back is coming back as i think we've mentioned a while back but strike back is going to return for a season six 
but with an entirely new cast. They've said it's coming soon. We don't know exactly when that means. I'm assuming that's either late this year or early next year that it's going to arrive. Sullivan Stapleton and Philip Winchester both are gone. The premise for this setup is that the section program had been disavowed and abandoned but then a notorious terrorist performs a brutal prison break so they pull the uh, uh, various people of of section division back together in order to track down the escaped convict the new team because obviously sullivan stapleton is too busy on blind spot and philip winchester's just got a new gig in uh, chicago justice so so those guys aren't coming mm-hmm. back so there's a new team uh, it's led by a guy called daniel mac McAllister, who's played by warren brown who played luther luther's sidekick in uh it, you know idris alba's show he was the other cop in that show oh okay so yeah so the the younger guy in that so he's he's taking the uh one of the leads the other one is uh playing sergeant samuel wyatt he's damiel mcpherson who's been in the shannara chronicles he was in the bill uh an apb which was a fairly short-lived american show described as so he's i think it sounds like mcallister is going to be more the Stonebridge character and uh, Samuel Wyatt is going to be rather more the Scott character because he's described as a barroom philosopher who works best alone and no intention of being dragged into a team situation, but obviously gets dragged into a team situation. So so I think he's going to be the Scott character. They've got Natalie Roberts, who's played by Roxanne McKee, who uh, obviously Game of Thrones and Hollyoaks, comes from a military family and excels at psychological profiles, seeking weakness of others. She might be blinded by a own fault lines you've got um gracie novin who is alan sumatra i think or sumatra uh she was in neighbors and home and away she's a gearhead looking to make the step up she's described as so we don't know when this is coming i think they've put quite a good cast together for it a lot of people have been saying oh no you can't do it without stonebridge and scott it's not going to be the same without the boys Bear in mind, this is the second time they've done this because the first yeah. season of Strike Back didn't have Stonebridge and Scott in it. You know, it's not a new thing that they're doing. And and I, I think the team sounds interesting enough. I think they've got some good actors in there. I think that could work well. You've got a Holly Oaks person in there to keep you happy, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not sure which character she played. I haven't heard the actress's name. Although there's, you know, a good few years of Holly Oaks I haven't seen, so it might well have been somebody before that yeah she's been out of Hollyoaks for a while I think um, Louise Summers she played in Hollyoaks oh I know who that is yeah, yeah. she died before I started watching it so <laughs> right, that's why okay. but yeah. um, the character who killed her has come back so right yes, okay. she, she still gets referenced a few times uh, okay. so, um, but yeah so uh, so she's in it and no exact air date for season 6 yet I, it, the fact that they've posted something now saying it's coming soon would make me think it's going to be towards the end of the year either Mm. autumn or early next year maybe but coming soon would suggest it's going to be later this year but who knows how many episodes has this got i'm not sure i think it's i don't know whether they've said the episode counter i suspect it's probably 10 but i don't know so that is all the news for this week next up we have an interview it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
This week's interview is a first one for us, actually, because it's the first time we've spoken to a makeup sort of FX designer. This is a guy called Joel Harlow. He's an Academy Award winner. He's one of the most innovative makeup and special effects artists in film today. I mean, his CV is utterly ridiculous. He's worked on Star Trek, Star Trek Beyond. Logan is his latest film. He works on pretty much anything Johnny Depp is in and we talk a bit about that in the in the uh, interview so he's done all the parts of the Caribbean movies and the Alice in Wonderland movies he worked a little bit on Mad Men and on the TV show Carnival so we get to talk to him a bit about he's got quite a unique way that he kind of works compared to how a lot of makeup people work and uh, also we talk quite a lot about designing makeup for Logan and for the characters in there and how he started working with Johnny Depp in the first place and how they keep their relationship going when we talked to him he was actually in Atlanta and a fairly windy day in Atlanta so the, the, the sound quality is, is not great in some places but it was a fairly windy day in Atlanta so you have to forgive that but he was on the set of an upcoming Marvel movie we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week Hey Joel Hey David how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for spending a bit of time today to come on and talk. Oh, my pleasure. Where are you based? I'm assuming you're based in LA these days. I am, but I'm in Atlanta right now. Oh, are you really? On okay. location, yeah. Is that on um, Black Panther? Is that what you're It is, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Exactly. I didn't realize that was shooting in Atlanta. Avoid the zombies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> yeah, this town is is basically walking dead central <laughs> yeah yeah i can imagine it's it's become quite a big filming hub atlanta since the walking dead went there yeah it really has yeah yeah a lot of movies are here now and more more common <laughs> yeah yeah no it's very cool for them so um you're on to talk a bit about your work you're a uh a, a makeup artist um or prosthetics and that sort of stuff for uh, your cv is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> i mean it, it's fantastic i mean going back to starting off on on things like the toxic avenger uh, or toxic avenger 2 which uh, you know a great like uh, yeah that's that the ridiculous part <laughs> <laughs> yeah Old, old uh, trauma movies, which are just amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, Grinstone Christmas, uh, The Planet of the Apes, AI, Inception, Green Lantern, Star Trek, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, pretty much anything Johnny Depp's ever been in. Yeah, uh, right. yeah uh, and uh, Logan, which is the thing you've done most recently. Yeah. Um, yes. So let's let's just start off with um, a bit of background. How did you get into makeup design? Well, I it all started, you know, a passion for really anything kind of uh, supernatural character related you know extra normal character related started when I first saw King Kong right. you know the original black and white King Kong yeah um, and that uh, I knew after I saw that I was you know pretty young um, saw it with my father and I knew after that that I wanted to do something you know something you know in the world of creating characters like that I didn't know what it was at the time yeah. um, you know so uh, ultimately what I started doing was animation I actually went to college for animation ah yeah that makes in sense in new york yeah. yeah but then um you know then i'd seen the thing and i knew that that you know there was what you know i wanted to focus on was sort of makeup effects uh in that world but you know at the time there were no schools for it i mean now they're everywhere but yeah. you know this is like mid 80s there weren't any. uh and so i you know i that's why i started you know uh, studying animation and you know, still 
creating makeup effects in, you know, in my dorm room and that, and, you know, got on the Toxic Avenger, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, uh, left school uh, and just started um, doing uh, low budget films out in California, you know, um, joined up with Steve Johnson's XFX company. And, right, yeah. Yeah, and then I uh, had about an eight year run with them, and, you know, where I learned a, a heck of a lot. So, wow. One thing led to another. <laughs> um, where does the process start for you? Are you designing like from paper to prosthetics or are people coming to you with designs and then um, it's your job to realize them? It's really, it, it can happen any number of ways, you know, and it never really happens the same way twice. Sometimes, you know, in the, like in the case of uh, Star Trek Beyond is we design we start designing characters. Wow. Sometimes, you know, they have designs in mind and then we take them and translate them into three dimensions and, you know, practical working makeups. But yeah, I mean, it really just depends on the project and, and kind of, you know, the workload of the project, how long, you know, in, in pre-production, the project has been in existence because, you know, a lot of times to get a film greenlit, you know, the production needs to show the studio something. Yeah. You know, images, whatever that is. And a lot of times that happens before we come on. So in that case, there are already kind of pre-existing designs yeah. uh, that we then have to, you know, take and rework and, you know, and make work as practical makeup executions. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on, on, you know, really what the workload is and what the project is and you know, a great many factors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Specifically, you came on to, to do Logan. What were your responsibilities on, on that film? Well, I was the uh, makeup department head as well as the prosthetic makeup designer. So right. uh, basically anything makeup, you know, I was in charge of. Okay. Uh, so it, yeah, so it was designing Logan and and Charles and you know Caliban and the rest of the characters, and then executing them, you know, and, and you know creating them. If there were any prosthetic needs, um, you know, we would make them in this traveling lab facility that you know that I have with me, and we'd build in in one area of a soundstage and apply in another. So it, it was full circle. You know, yeah. which is nice because then you, you're in on the design of a character, you build it, you, you know, you see it grow and then you get to apply it and see it come to life, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, on, on Logan, it was everything. Prosthetic wounds, you know, severed heads, a <laughs> um, couple of subtle facial appliances, you know, um, fake hair scars ran the gamut yeah i mean uh with with logan obviously you've got uh hugh jackman in there who did you actually how much makeup did you, you actually using on him was there stuff to age him up because that's a guy that just doesn't age <laughs> so yeah, yeah i know yeah he's yeah he's in he's in amazing shape you know yeah. and and uh yeah i mean wh basically what we did because he plays two characters you know he plays logan and he plays x24 is you know you start with Hugh in in kind of the middle of those two characters and you de-age him for x24 and you add age to him for for old man logan yeah um and in adding age to him you know that's a number of ways you can do that um the way that we did it was with uh paint and scars and you know of course hair uh hair whitening and that kind of a thing some subtle contact lenses to take the you know the youth out of his eyes and and then to take him to x24 it's basically a 
a matter of a, an even foundation, you know, to de-emphasize any wrinkles that may be there already. Right. Um, crow's feet or otherwise, you know, dyeing his hair dark, yeah. which gives the appearance of youth. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then the rest is him, you know, selling it. Yeah, yeah. Because they've, they've done, uh, in previous X-Men movies, they've done sort of digital de-aging stuff right. so uh, we, how, how much is that sort of cg stuff affecting your work at this point yeah i mean it, yeah all of it affects our work you know because back in you know the days when i started you know cg was a very sort of fledgling art form yeah uh, but now it's getting better and better you know the, the the problem is uh i think that you know no matter what you see digitally created how well it's done i think most people can pick it out yeah and it's kind of gotten to the point where i think it's being overused a bit and of course all the digital people will hate me for saying that but <laughs> you know it takes kind of the magic you know because i'm i'm a, i'm the kid that grew up watching king kong right the black and white you know yeah, yeah. stop motion animated king kong and there was something tangible about that yeah and i think that if it's if it's that easy to like oh let's you know let's create a a, a t-rex and throw it in this scene you know it's like the the magic though it's still there is just kind of lesson yeah because it is everywhere now i mean you know beauty and the beast it's like there's a humanoid character you know yeah. that has been done many times by different artists brilliantly as a practical makeup yeah which really i think creates a connection between you and that character yeah. when it's entirely computer generated you're watching a cartoon and no matter how well it looks it's still a cartoon yeah you know yeah i'm kind of with you there i think that there's a, a tangibility to physical stuff because i mean i'm in my 40s so i grew up watching all these sort of films from back from the toxic avenger kind of upwards you know the, yeah. uh, where you have this you know the physical makeup and i, I think it does make a huge difference yeah i mean it's you know that it exists and it, it, it's existing in the real world yeah you know playing opposite characters and i think it, it's you know it's beneficial for you know actors and, and crew and you know really everybody on a movie set to see something tangible and real yeah you know it's, it's easier to light that way you can light it within the scene with so everybody's in the same light you know rather than having to match it all later yeah yeah that that I mean, ultimately, although it may take longer to do in the first place, I guess it probably is cheaper to do it physically than it is than messing around with. Because there's, you know, if you're having to match light up, I imagine in some respects it, it sometimes must be cheaper to do the physical stuff than it is to do the digital stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I, you know, obviously digital is getting cheaper all the time, but just as an art form, you know, and, and yeah, I yeah. really, you know, I admire, I do, you know, and I play around with ZBrush and, you know, digital sculpting programs but there's something about practical real that it's like you know the thing remember the thing prequel? yeah 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 um adi did all of those effects that are in that film practical and real and they looked amazing you can see them on youtube <laughs> you watch wow. the movie and it's like i mean you know a lot of people myself included got into this industry because of of the original, you know, because of the thing, you know, the John Carpenter, Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and it's because, you know, Rob Bottin and created these makeup effects that were unlike anything we had seen before. And yeah. then, you know, ADI did an amazing job at delivering practical makeup effects, you know, that fit within the context of the story and still remain true to that genre. 
and then they're all replaced digital and you can tell it's so obvious. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, and it just like, that's not why I like the thing. You know? That's not <laughs> why I was a fan. It's not because of that. It's like, why? And I just don't understand not doing the practical. It's like the, you've got people in charge that, that aren't fans is yeah. the only thing I can think. Yeah. You know, that they're not, you know, they don't have the affinity for the work that they should, you know, and in which case don't mess with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the characters in Logan, uh, Cal- Caliban, uh, Stephen yes. Merchant's character uh took me a moment to realize it's steven when you first see him uh-huh. uh, you'd actually don't realize it and then he talks and then you go oh it's steven merchant um how did you approach the uh design and build of that character yeah i mean that you know the uh, caliban appeared in uh apocalypse x-men apocalypse right um and in that film he's like very you know he's very sort of gestury you know and spry and and we the, the sort of the overall tone of the entire film um, Logan is, you know, it, it's like a Western. It's gritty. Yeah. It's grounded in reality. It's desaturated. You know, you're not going to find any multicolored mutants. You yeah. know, they're all very, very human looking. And I think Stephen Merchant was probably as far as we went in changing the skin tone of a character to be a mutant. Right. And really all we wanted to do was go for like a more of an albino skin tone, except we took it a little more towards the gray. Right. Uh, just to fit within the context of the world, you know, because these are not happy characters, you know. Yeah. There shouldn't be, you know, there there is no ray of sunshine. And then, you know, he, he wore contact lenses, you know, to, to change the color of his eyes. And we shaved him, you know, we basically shaved him, you know, uh, <laughs> every day. Uh, and then, you know, then he gets, you know, he, he suffers at the hands of Pierce, Boyd Holbrook's character. Yeah. A few times, you know, he gets he gets burned by the sun, you know, and his skin blisters. Yeah. Um, for that, we had some silicone prosthetics, you know, that we applied to Stephen and and painted to look like he was blistering. And then, of course, he detonates a couple of grenades in the uh Reaver command vehicle. And after that, he's burned. You know, he's yeah. almost unrecognizably burned. Yeah. So um, it's a, a great piece of work that, because as I say, you, you really don't recognize him when you first see him. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of that, I guess, you know, you take away somebody's hair. Yeah. You know, and change it. You know, it's like you can do things to people, you know, subtle things that really change their appearance. Teeth, you know, dentures are one of them, contact lenses are one of them. And then, you know, you can just subtle nose appliance will change somebody, you know, completely. And, you know, and hair is one of those things. You take away somebody's hair and all of a sudden you're looking at somebody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then you even out his skin tone so you don't see that there was hair there. You know, there's no five o'clock shadow where the hair was. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's just, you know, it's a smooth skin palette. Now. Yeah. What's the biggest problem you generally encounter when worth working with prosthetics? Well, I mean, probably the elements, I would think, you know, and if you're in extremely hot or humid situations, yeah, uh, you know, you, and, and a lot of movement, you know, is going on. Your performers are moving around a lot and a prosthetic is in a high movement area like corners of the mouth, you know, neck, you know, that those kind of things. Yeah, uh, they tend to, you know, start to break down, you know, your edges start to break down. Got you. Um, and our preference is to use silicone. So uh, because, you know, silicone, you know, as opposed to foam latex, which was kind of the staple for, you know, for the beginning of my career yeah. you know, before uh, silicone prosthetics came along. 
um, the advantage of foam latex is that it's porous and it can breathe. Um, the advantage of silicone is that it's translucent and you can paint it or, or tint it as translucent as you want. Whereas foam, you have to paint that translucency into basically a matte, opaque material. Right. Yeah. Um, but what you sacrifice is that it's not porous. So it tends to heat up, you know, the, the performer's skin heats up a little quicker underneath it. And if you're in hot situations, you know, then, you know, they could start to sweat. And you know, the only place for that sweat to go is to find its way to an edge and then escape the freedom, I guess. And, <laughs> you know, that, of course, is becomes constant maintenance time. Yeah, that must have got more difficult with uh, the introduction of things like high def and 3D as well. Oh, yeah, that and, and lace work, you know, hair work there's some things that you know you're not meant to see so yeah. you know so detailed it's like i i prefer you know i was at my parents house right watching um i had a screener from the academy for i can't even remember the name of the movie but they have one of these high def tvs and i put the dvd in and we're watching it and i just couldn't get past the fact that everything looked like it was shot on video this right. is the first thing I had seen on their TV. I was like, well, it looks so cheap. It looks like it's shot on video. Yeah. And then we put in the next movie, which I know was shot on film. It looked like it was shot on video. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, and I went downstairs because they had another TV downstairs, put the same DVD in. And suddenly it looks like film. And there's something about that, that richness yeah. that, you know, it, it's like, you know, let's not go so overboard with making everything better and sharper and crisper and dinosaurs jumping off of logs. And it's <laughs> like, you know, come on, let's let's hold on to the reality a little longer before, you know, just that, that line in Jurassic Park, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, the one place I really experienced that was, I, I don't know whether you ever saw the Hobbit movies when yeah. they they were shot in 60 frames a second. And yeah. I don't know if you ever saw those versions, but that that was a real problem that they had on that film, was the sets and the makeup didn't quite make up for the fact that they were shooting at such a high volume. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah, I, and I'm sort of with you. When I watch it now, now at home and i'm on a normal tv you know it's it's much nicer in blu-ray and you know yeah exactly yeah a, i mean and then you watch the lord of the rings movies and it's a completely different experience yeah yeah you know it, it just feels right you yeah. know I, I don't know what that is but it feels right yeah yeah no i i know exactly what you mean as we mentioned earlier you've pretty much are Johnny Depp's go-to guy for for his films. You've done all the Pirates movies, Lone Ranger, the oh. Alice movies, Black Mass. You even did Tusk as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Yoga Hosers. And you did Yoga Hosers as well. Yeah, I don't yeah. wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so and, uh, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. So um, <laughs> He's great. Kevin yeah. Smith is amazing. He's, he seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he really is. So how did that relationship start? Um, it started on the first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I was uh, uh, the key makeup artist to V. Neal's department head position. Right. Um, she brought me on to, to Pirates and a great you know, number of other films, but specifically Pirates, which is where I met Johnny. And, you know, we did Pirates together and then uh, with V doing his makeup. And then, of course, we did part two and three, you know, Dead Man's Chest and That World's End. And, you know, we're still with V as department head and me as key. 
And it wasn't until Alice in Wonderland that I was asked to come aboard and help apply a makeup, his Mad Hatter makeup, with another makeup artist that he works with, you know, like B quite often, Patty York. So I came on and after that film was over, he asked me to go do Rum Diary, you know, to handle him on Rum Diary and department edit. and, And that was really the first movie that... I, I was looking after him specifically as well as wrangling the entire department. Right. You know, and then after that came Pirates 5 and or Pirates 4 and then, you know, then all the other ones. Yeah. Lone yeah. Ranger and uh, Dark Shadows. And, yeah. And, and uh, Black Mass, of course, which, you know, he went through a pretty amazing transformation on Black Mass. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that was a, a great piece of makeup because he, he really doesn't look like him. <laughs> when you, when you yeah. sort of see it, you know, he's, uh, I, th- how, how did you end up approaching that? Cause that's much more, uh, it's it not like out there makeup. It's a much more kind of normal. Well, that's, um, yeah. I mean, that's him, you know, he's a huge fan of this craft of makeup, you yeah. know, and he, he will change his appearance, you know, whereas a lot of performers, you know, want to be recognized. You know, he yeah. nothing wrong with that, but he will go to great lengths to become a character. Yeah. So it was it was him that that wanted the transformation to be as complete as it was. And we actually had transformations that were far more all encompassing, you know, like full facial prosthetic right. makeups. And, but he uh, yeah, that was that was all him. Um, yeah, and, you know, when you approach something like that, where you're trying to translate uh, a real person onto somebody that looks nothing like them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you just kind of pick out the kind of the broad strokes that you would need to sell that character in makeup. You know, obviously the receding hairline is one of them. Uh, The nose was part of it, you know. And if we were going for the, you know, so it's really, it's kind of a hybrid between James Bulger and Johnny Depp. You know, whereas some of the earlier tests were completely James Whitey Bulge. Yeah. uh, With very little Johnny showing. But I think we kind of settled on a a happy medium with with the makeup that we ultimately went with. Yeah, yeah. No, it it works fantastically. And uh, it's a great film as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other end of that scale, um, going back through your list of films, uh, Planet of the Apes, which you're you're down as ape makeup artist. And I I think it was worth taking the job just so you could have ape makeup artist (laughs) on your CV. Yeah, I want that on. On every film, ape makeup artist. What do you mean? He is an ape? I don't understand. You know, there's no apes in this movie. That'd be brilliant. Like some sort of ape assistant. Um, like Clyde from, you know, any which way but loose or whatever. Any which, yeah. any which way you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, with with that film, uh, where, do, where do you actually start? Because you are basically creating... Um, humid or sort of talking apes for for a film like that well yeah that one was easy because i didn't build the right the makeups for that was rick baker okay um you know and nobody knows apes better than rick baker right? yes and, yeah, and yeah. what happened was bill corso good friend of mine brought me on to assist him in applying paul giamatti's limbo makeup you right. know he was the orangutan yeah yeah uh so we did that together and i uh, bill and i did did that makeup and then days that limbo wasn't working that paul wasn't working there were background chimpanzees that makeups that you know i would do and the biggest thrill of that was doing a makeup with bill and rick 
on Charlton Heston. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, as uh, I believe it was Spade's father. Yeah. He came in for one day, but, you know, I was one of the guys that got there with that makeup. You know, not just on Charlton Heston, but with Rick, yeah. which was, you know, that's a high watermark for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. You also worked with Spielberg on AI as well, yeah. which is a, a brilliant and highly underrated movie. I And... Uh, what, what were you doing on that movie? I was uh, Vino again. It's basically like the uh, like Pirates. Vino was the department head, and I was her key. So okay, I did uh, Haley Joel Osment's makeup. Yeah, you know, as well as uh, a lot of other makeups. Um, so you know, we were on it for the entire in, entire show. So we helped design the look of Haley Joel Osment's character and Jude Law's character, and basically right. handled everybody's makeup in the movie. How was working with Spielberg? Oh, it was amazing. You know, my my favorite movie of all time is Jaws. You know, so certainly, <laughs> you know, this is this is the guy that made it happen. You know, through seemingly insurmountable odds. Yeah. Um, you know, he created one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Um, and certainly my greatest movie of all time. So to work with him, yeah, it was a dream come true. And then, of course, you know, I'm working with Stan Winston, who is a legend, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, seeing his work close up. And, and Stan is just the sweetest guy. He was the sweetest <laughs> guy. Yeah. You know, I, I feel very fortunate that I got to, to work alongside him before he was taken. Yeah, it was, uh, it's such a loss. That, you know, it he really was. Incredible yeah, guy. it really was. Um, you have done a few TV shows as well. You did uh, Mad Men. You did a, a couple of little oh. bits on uh, Carnival. You did, which was a wonderfully trippy series, and Buffy, yeah. which oh, I yes. did Buffy, my favorite TV show, <laughs> one of my favorite TV shows of all time. You, including working on Once More with Feeling, which was the musical episode. Um, <laughs> th- that that must have been fantastic fun to work on. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting because it was the first I was brought on to the show to build the prosthetics you know they were right. uh, looking to, to get another company to build the prosthetics for one reason or another I don't know what it was but I was and that was the first one you know so obviously we wanted to bend over backwards and, and make it incredible yeah um, so all I mean all I really remember about that is just a lot of sleepless nights you know <laughs> sculpting and painting and molding and you know minimal crew in a garage um, uh-huh. but yeah I mean you know, then you see the finished thing and it's like wow that's really neat you know because I wasn't there all the time you know I was only there for the specialty makeups you God, know yeah. so you don't really get the full picture until you you know until you catch it on television yeah yeah you talk about working in a garage set I mean the the setup you have now uh, Morphology FX, which is, is your company, yeah. I thought that was quite interesting because you you basically sell it as a full service agency, which which sort of moves the entire thing onto site, which yes, exactly. I, I guess isn't a common. That's not commonly how it's done. I'm assuming. No, not at all. I mean, the the common method is that a production will hire a makeup effects shop. Well, you know, and there's you know I could list them all, but you know yeah. I don't want to leave one out and have my friends be mad at me, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, the way that I've done it and, and continue to do it is I will take all of my equipment and my materials and what have you. And production will generally get me a facility, whether it's a part of a warehouse or, you know, we worked out of a giraffe cage once, (laughs) uh, at an, at a decommission or a a defunct zoo and we move everything in. You know, as long as it has water and power and some ventilation, you know, we'll build right there on site, which wow. 
allows production, the director, the other department heads to come by and see what we're doing. So there's no surprises and approvals aren't done like via FaceTime or photos or emails. You know, they're done in person. So you can see the dimensions of the thing. You can see the color as it reads in person. Your director of photography can come by and see if the translucency is right, whatever it is. And then it's just a matter of once we build, walking it across the parking lot and gluing it on and then we take it to set. And what that also saves is overhead, Yeah, you know, because production knows exactly how many people I'm bringing, you know, because I give them kind of a rough idea of like, okay, I'm going to need eight people for three weeks and then I'm going to need two people for another three weeks. What it is, whatever it is, they pay those people. Yeah. You know, I don't pay them. You know, I'm I'm making a salary the same as everybody else. Right. Okay. Uh, so there's no overhead that production is paying for. There's no profit margin production is paying for. Uh, they see exactly what comes in, and you know, as far as materials, because they, you know, we order the materials, but they get the invoices. Yeah. Um, they see exactly who's working what hours, and you know, it keeps everything above board, and that allows me to keep the quality because something that. Say if I was a typical shop owner, yeah. you know, and there's a job that comes in that's going to take four weeks. Yeah. And if I get it done in three weeks, you know, I get a, get to keep a little profit, right? There right. might be yeah, a temptation yeah, yeah. To, to push that and get it done in three weeks. Whereas now, if it takes four weeks to make, right, then it's going to take four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it all comes out roughly the same for production because I'm not taking a profit mark. Yeah. You know, I'm not taking a profit. I'm just making an hour. Same as, yeah, yeah. Same as my guys. So. Yeah. That's um, very whereas cool. if I bid it out, I would, you know, I build in a contingency and we build yeah, an yeah, overhead yeah. and, you know, what have you. Yeah. That's very cool. So we've established you're working on Black Panther at the moment. I yeah. have to ask, is there anything you could tell me? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> I had to ask. Was yes, like, of course. Three, three red dots just appeared on your, uh, on your chest. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm in the parking lot now and they're like, yep. I heard, I heard the name mentioned, get some people over there, that guy. So, um, yeah, well, I am really looking forward to that film. It, it's, it yeah, should it's, be awesome. Awesome. Uh, what I can say is it's going to be a fantastic film. Yeah. So two last questions, which we always ask people. Uh-huh. One of the things is what TV shows are you, are you watching at the moment? Uh, I'm watching The Walking Dead, of course. Yes, you of know, course. I'm, I'm a huge fan of In the person, Dead. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, even from like the first season, it's like the stuff that they were doing on that show it's like that's better than stuff i was seeing in features it's like yeah, you know yeah. way to go greg nicotero and k and b and you know because that stuff is like top knock yeah yeah that zombie um, works incredible yeah yeah and you know and then uh, i mean i i you know i watched a lot of uh family guy american dad right yeah yeah <laughs> no bob's burgers <laughs> i'm a, you know i like like when i get home you know after like whatever it is 16 hours work yeah you know it's nice to watch a cartoon and finally if you if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show past present or future which tv show would it be oh uh, it'd probably be something in the future and it would have something to do with you know hb lovecraft something to do with his work 
Nice. Um, I don't know if it's like, you know, you know, they had the young Sherlock Holmes Chronicles. You know, maybe we get young H.P. Lovecraft pro- yeah. Chronicles. Yeah. Where he and August Daryl and pal around. I actually wrote that as a kid. Really? You know, I wouldn't say I was a kid. I was in high school. I was like, ah, oh, this would be great. You know, young Sherlock Holmes came out. I was like, you know, it'd be cool. Is you know young Lovecraft and August Derleth, you know, fighting the cosmic forces of you know Cthulhu and you know the rest of the outer yeah, gods. Yeah. You know, that would be something I'd be into. You know, yeah. so when they start making that, then you know that's the one I want to be on. <laughs> or yeah. you know, you know, or or another one uh, that you know I keep hearing rumor of is Tales from the Crypt revival. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. I'm sure that'll happen at I some point. I sure hope so. Sorry. You know, with uh, M. Night Shyamalan, you know, he, yeah. uh, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about him. And not just the opportunity to work with him, but, you know, I was a, I'm a huge fan of DC Comics and, you know, Creepy and Eerie and all of those horror, that those horror, like 70s horror genre comics. Yeah. yeah and yeah. magazines, you know, so it'd be great to, to be involved in that. And plus, you know, like whatever it is, a monster a week. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, that'd be a blast. You know, that's that was the fun thing about Buffy is that, you know, it was a new monster every week. So. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, I, we've been on for like half an hour and a bit, so I, I'll right. let you uh, get on with your day and let you go and do more Black Panthering. So thank, <laughs> thank you for thank you for spending a bit of time. It's been a real pleasure. You're the first makeup artist we've had on. So, you know. Oh, nice. I'm honored. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you and uh, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to seeing Black Panther when it comes out. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. All right. Cheers. Bye. Have a great day. <laughs> bye bye. That was the interview with the makeup and effects designer Joe Harlow. I hope you enjoyed all that. Next, we have highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Kicking off next week on TV, we have the long-awaited return of Nashville for its fifth season, coming to Sky Living on the 28th of April at 9pm. This is a, this is a show you watch, isn't it, I think? Yes, I like it quite a bit. Yes. Um, I have unfortunately had a spoiler for the season, but that's uh, what happens when you run yes. 10, 12, <laughs> 13 episodes behind. Yeah. Uh, a bit like with Gotham, that's happened as well. Yeah. Um, God knows when that's coming back. Yeah. But yeah. I'm looking forward to this quite a bit, and I think you posted recently, it got renewed did it yes yeah it's got renewed for season six which to to go so that's pretty cool yes i'm i mean it's not a show i watch but i'm led to believe that that's the fact that it got renewed surprised some people given what happens this season five apparently so yeah i i i I don't know about i i don't want to give any spoilers away obviously for that no 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 i wouldn't do that either um but yes so that's that's nashville returning for fifth season on the 28th of april at 9 p.m uh, there is a show which has been fairly controversial uh, called Dear White People coming on to Netflix on the 28th of April. It's based on an acclaimed indie film which satirizes the post-racial America as students of cover, colour navigate a predominantly white Ivy League college. I've sort of avoided reading too much about this because I want to go into it as fresh as possible. I know some people have got very upset about it, but uh, I, I'm quite looking forward to that. I think it could be quite interesting. But that's coming to Netflix on the 28th of April so could be one to watch out for there's um, a lot coming to Netflix in, in May uh, yeah, there's ne- uh, Master of the Nun I think there's House of Cards and there's F for Family season 2 yeah yeah there's there's quite a lot of stuff coming out on Netflix you've got um, quite a few bits coming to Amazon as well You're the Worst season 2 that's 
starts on five star on the 30th of april at 11 p.m which is a romantic comedy with some darker tones from the makers of weeds and orange is the new black then the big show for me the one that everybody really must watch american gods season one coming to amazon prime on the first of may if you've not got an amazon prime subscription go and get one or or if you've not signed up then go and sign up for the month-long trial just to go and watch american gods because it's well worth it i've seen the first couple of episodes of this it's brilliant absolutely brilliant and uh well worth going to see so how many yeah. is that eight or ten? eight eight episodes in the first season it's not that long actually the first season yeah that's that's going to be well worth to watch they'll go on weekly as well it's not all dropping at once because it's it's running in america at the same time so mm. it's going on the day after the u.s what's it on in america stars oh, is it stars yes stars have got it stars. in america so and, I've not heard of that channel before. And it ran for a while. Stars ran Spartacus, the Spartacus series. Oh, okay. They ran all those. So yes, not afraid to um, show some flesh on those shows. <laughs> and I'm sure, um, what's his name, will be showing his uh, yes. top quite a bit. Yes. As yes. he did in The 100 uh, and as he did in Hollyoaks. So, yes, uh, yes. In fact, I think you probably get get to see a bit more than his top as well in this. So if you're a fan of Ricky, Ricky Whittle, then it's definitely one you want to go and see. Uh, great he, actor. Yeah, so great, great actor, really, really good in this. Great cast throughout, really well acted. Interesting, slightly weird story. What day is the 1st of May? Uh, 1st of May is, I think it's a Monday. Yes, it's a Monday. So it's next Monday. That's Okay, on. cool. Nice. And then coming on next Tuesday on the 2nd of May is Lucifer. It's back for the uh, third part of season two. It had quite a big break in the middle of it. Oh. And uh, that's that's Tom Ellis back as the Prince of Hell who moves to Los Angeles. Uh, a, a, just a wonderfully entertaining, fun series, mainly due to its charismatic lead. But uh, And I know it's not an exact copy of the book, but it, it makes a brilliant TV show. So uh, well worth how going much, to watch. How that. much does it take from its book? The basic premise of the devil leaving and going to uh, you know leaving hell and moving to los angeles and some of the character names i <laughs> i get the impression i don't know the book entirely that well so i i couldn't tell you exactly but i from people that do know it apparently it doesn't take a huge amount from the books other than the basic premise of it uh and even they've changed the basic premise to a certain amount as well because i think in the books he's mainly a nightclub owner he's not working with the police which is is kind of the premise of the tv show so it sort of takes elements but not all that much but i think it makes a hugely entertaining tv show and tom ellis is amazing in it he's it's so good well worth going to watch if you if you uh, fancy that i think that's everything for this week unless sure. you've got anything else you want to add in i was going to mention me and david are wrapping up our coverage of season one of 24 legacy we've got two episodes left which is technically 14 hours but it's going to be told in two hours right. so that's on entertainmenttalk.org so go and have a look out for that yes well. yeah yeah if you're a 24 yeah. fan definitely go go and listen to that as for us if you want to find the latest air date info you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk you can get in touch with your questions and comments by emailing us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post or find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.